Thank you for tuning in to Engage, your one-stop shop for all things social studies and engagement. It's Justin here again. In the coming weeks, we'll have Alicia and others here as uh, guests and hosts with us on Engage. Uh, but for the first couple weeks here, it's just going to be me sharing some of my favorite things and uh, elaborating on some of my favorite units of study. So let's get started. Let's dive in. Now, my favorite class to teach is a class called Genocide and Human Rights. It's a class where we talk about the history of human rights. We talk about human rights issues going on in the world today. And then we spend a good chunk of the year talking about the history of the term genocide and certain atrocities that have happened over the last 100 to 120 years. Now, this class is uh, one of my favorites to teach, not because, like, not because they're getting college credits, not because it leads to a bunch of activities, but because it gets students talking about stuff that's really going on in the world today. Uh, and I think it's a, a really relevant class to a lot of the students as they're seeing uh, what the world's really like out there. Now, I'm not saying that anyone has to create a class like this that's really focused in on genocide and human rights, but a lot of states are requiring that uh, students learn about genocide at different uh, areas of their the school education. So, for example, Wisconsin has Act 30, which requires that students learn about genocide or the Holocaust at the elementary level, the middle school level, and the high school level. So a class like this does meet the requirement, but you don't have to do a whole class on this topic. Now, I'm going to give you a, a series of episodes over the coming months where we're going to talk about different ways that I teach about genocide in my Genocide and Human Rights class. And this might provide some great resources and tools and lessons that you can utilize in your class, even if it's not focused just on genocide or human rights. I think there's pieces that anyone can pick up for how to make this an engaging classroom, how to make this a classroom where students um, can make connections from those past events uh, into the world today. So we're going to look today at how I teach about the definition of genocide, and the atrocities that occurred before the Holocaust and before World War II. So we'll talk about some of those things today uh, and give you guys some ideas and resources to teach stuff like that. If you want to add it into your like world history class or U.S. history class uh, or maybe a class on you know the general social studies in some way or fashion. Now, I always start my teaching about genocide with talking about the definition of genocide. Now, my students are high schoolers, and they already kind of have an idea of what they would expect to be considered a genocide. They've studied the Rwandan genocide. They've studied the Holocaust. In fact, they've studied the Holocaust at many different grade levels. So they have some background knowledge, and they have kind of a, a vision of what they think genocide means. So what I have them do is I first have them write in small groups their own little definition of what they think is genocide. Then as a whole class, we write one of those definitions up on the board and we kind of critique and add things to it until we have come up with what we think is our class definition of genocide. Then we compare that to the United Nations definition. Now, the United Nations definition, uh, it has maybe some outdated things in it. Maybe has some things you could critique that are left out uh, or included. So we compare our definition to that of the United Nations, uh, and that creates an interesting comparison activity. Now, not every student's going to have that background knowledge. So you might want to just start with looking at the UN definition and talking about what stuff's included, what stuff's not included. 
For example, you could talk about how like a political attack uh, is not included. So there's nothing in there about political parties or ideology. Um, it's more focused on race and ethnicity. You could also talk about other things that are seemingly left out of that definition. Uh, and that can create a, a good experience as you try to, to wrap your brain around the idea uh, of what a genocide is. Now, from there, I like to point out that not everyone believes that this definition is, is all-encompassing, and that there certainly are folks that have discussed that maybe genocides can be better identified with like a, a stages approach, that there could be different stages to a genocide happening. Now, this is when we look at Gregory Stanton's eight or ten stages of genocide, uh, and we take a closer look at what they already know about genocide and whether or not those stages might be a better way of identifying uh, what is uh, considered a genocide from the international perspective. Uh, and lastly, it might be important to talk about, like, what's the point of a definition? Is the, is the point of a definition to uh, hold someone accountable for, like, a crime? Um, is the point of a definition to be uh, looking back at events in a historical lens? Uh, what's the, the point of having this definition? Uh, because then maybe you end up with different definitions or different stages uh, to approach things with. Now, after we've had a discussion about the definition, uh, it's time for us to really apply some of that knowledge. So what I like to do is talk about three different atrocities that occurred uh, before the Holocaust. Using these case studies allows us to really look at whether or not the UN definition is applicable to different atrocities. And it also gives us a chance to really look at those stages and see those stages happening uh, with different countries' events uh, pre the definition of genocide. Uh, so I think it fits in really well uh, at this stage of the student's understanding. So first we look at the Herero and Nama people in modern-day Namibia. Uh, then we look at the Armenian genocide. Uh, and lastly, we look at the Holodomor. Now, I'm not going to focus in on, like, giving you historical information. If you want to uh, utilize some of these things, you can certainly do some of your own research uh, to get some of the background knowledge. But I am going to talk about uh, some of the useful ways to approach this content. I'm going to talk about strategies that I utilize in my own classroom. Uh, for example, when it comes to the Herero and the Nama, I think we're talking about a, uh, an atrocity that uh, brings out discussions about colonialism and imperialism. Uh, it brings a chance for you to discuss settler colonialism and make some real connections back to the United States. Uh, I like to talk about Manifest Destiny uh, and how uh, the Germans, when it comes to the Herero and the Nama, are seeing this land as, as theirs and trying to uh, conquer that land. And it, it makes some nice connections, especially when you can pull a lot of primary sources. Um, so when I teach Herero and the Nama, uh, I'm talking about... Uh, primary sources uh, a lot of the time. We're looking at quotes from uh, people that were there. We're looking at quotes from uh, Von Trotha. Uh, we're looking at quotes from the Herero people uh, and the experiences that, um, that were theirs. Uh, so it gives a chance to talk about primary sources as well uh, when it comes to um, an atrocity like this. Uh, so I like to take some time where we look at personal accounts, and that helps uh, these students to realize the value of taking into consideration personal accounts, uh, which are really important in genocide education.
As we kind of wrap up the topic, we do make some connections to the Holocaust through the Herero and the Namas uh, story. Uh, because you can start talking about things like uh, eugenics. Uh, you can talk about the, the German concept of, of a living space. Um, you can talk about specific connections uh, between these philosophies, these ideas uh, that are being perpetuated during uh, the Holocaust uh, backwards to uh, the events of the Herero and the Nama. Uh, so it does pair really well with uh, teaching the Holocaust. Uh, and furthermore, if you're looking at like stages of genocide, which we talked about earlier in the podcast, um, this case study provides a, a great example of uh, like a country trying to come to grasp with their own past atrocities, as Germany has discussed things like reparations uh, and whether or not to apologize to a peoples uh, for a past people's activities. Uh, and all about like admitting guilt and whether or not, you know, a lot of times when we're talking mass atrocities like this, we're talking about people denying that anything bad happened. Uh, and here you have Germany trying to do something, maybe not exactly what uh, many people think they should be doing, but trying to do something uh, to address those concerns. Now, when I'm teaching the Armenian Genocide, I like to use a lot of the resources from uh, GenociteEducation.org. Uh, they have some great lesson plans there. They have lesson plans for uh, units that if you want to cover a really long amount of time on the Armenian Genocide, uh, and they have lesson plans for a shorter amount of time. Uh, and I encourage you to kind of pick and choose some good resources there. Uh, I like to pick some primary sources from their documents. And I also like to utilize the, the timeline, timeline assignment that they have, uh, essentially giving my, chance, my students a chance to uh, create a timeline. And the timeline doesn't just focus in on uh, the time period of the Armenian Genocide. It goes way earlier. So students can start to piece together the events that are leading up to the Armenian Genocide. Uh, because it's not just events happening in the 1900s. It's events happening uh, long before that lead to discrimination and dehumanization of the Armenian people. Uh, so these resources help bring out those, those events. And then we can have a real detailed discussion about the stages of genocide and whether or not that's maybe a more appropriate definition or a more an appropriate way to, to look at whether or not a genocide's happening or not. Uh, and then lastly, discussing the Armenian Genocide, we definitely spent some time talking about denial and looking at how the Turkish government uh, has basically denied that this genocide has happened or denied that the events that happened uh, should be considered a genocide. Uh, and this leads us into a discussion about like how people um, try to cope with uh, atrocities when, when a country refuses to acknowledge it even happened. Uh, and we can look at, uh, there's some great videos out there uh, there's some great artwork from survivors uh, that have tried to, to bring more awareness about what happened. Uh, and I think those are great discussion points for students. And lastly, I think there's some other great resources out there that are just being created. For example, this year in one of my classes, uh, we watched this brand new um, creation from PBS uh, called Aurora Sunrise. Uh, and it provides some testimony from a survivor uh, telling the story of her family. It's mixed in with some animation uh, to bring to light some of the, the events that happened in her life. Uh, and it also connects in uh, some actual film footage that she created when she was an actress in the United States. 
Uh, and I think this might be a resource that I use in future years um, to bring together a lot of what we'll discuss on the Armenian Genocide. Lastly, I do teach about the Holodomor in Ukraine. Uh, and this takes a lot of historical buildup for students to understand what was happening uh, and how the Soviet Union played a part in orchestrating the famine in Ukraine. And there's a lot of great connections you can make to today with the war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, but I think on its own, even not talking about the war in, in Russia and Ukraine, there's certainly a lot that can be discussed here. Uh, it can be discussed, like, does this fit the definition of genocide? Does this fit uh, the, the stages that we talked about earlier? Where does it fall? Now, aside from providing my students with a lot of historical background knowledge and presenting the issues of the Holodomor, I do spend some time with image analysis. I like to give my students some uh, images that were taken during the Holodomor and have them uh, really decipher what was going on. And this is typically how I introduce this discussion. Uh, and also, I like to look at passages from uh, survivors and some analysis from the book Red Famine. Uh, I think it's got a lot of great information in it for you to utilize uh, to help bring out um, how terrible the atrocities were of the Holodomor. Uh, so I definitely recommend that book uh, as you're teaching the topic, as a, as a teaching tool and a, a learning tool for, uh, for you if you're not as knowledgeable about what happened uh, during the Holodomor. Lastly, I think it's really important to unite all three of these topics. I cover them in basically a two-week time period of my class, and I want to make sure that we build some connections between these topics and connections back to the overall concept of how do we define what genocide is, and should we, we be using stages or the UN definition or some other definition uh, to determine what that means. So what my students do is they have a writing reflection where I have four particular prompts. Uh, the prompts focus in on a number of different things. Uh, one focuses in on denial versus recognition. One focuses in on human rights violations being a catalyst to genocide. One focuses in on warfare versus imperialism versus genocide. And the last one focuses in on the definitions. And I think all four of these, these overall writing prompts do a really good job of um, providing a, a chance for students to show what they know, uh, to show what they learned, and to kind of apply it in different ways and use examples from the discussions we've had in class. I will try to include some of my resources in the, the post that's included with this in the description so you can utilize some of that stuff in the creation of whatever you want for your own class. Remember, these things don't have to be taught together. They can certainly be taught separately. Uh, they could be added on into like a world history, world studies class. And if you're already teaching one of these topics, maybe you'll get some ideas from here uh, to utilize in your own classroom. Thank you for listening to Engage, where social studies ignites curiosity. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Wisconsin Council for the Social Studies. This amazing organization is how I've met a lot 
of these other amazing teachers and learn a lot of phenomenal teaching strategies that have really changed my classroom experience. Join me and many of my colleagues at the annual Social Studies Conference in March. Find out more information at wcsswisconsin.org. That's wcsswi.org.